0: All right, Harry, I want to just uh, transition to talk a little bit about Crossroads Mission. It's uh, something you've become pretty passionate about, and and you and Pastor Tim uh, even see eye to eye on some things.
1: He had had similar thoughts.
0: That's great that you and Tim aligned so well together and that you felt called to become part of our church. Um, That was
1: my calling. I felt healing from that, weirdly.
0: That doesn't sound weird at all to me, Harry, um, but we did just find out that you've got some concerns about some of our big community events. We've got boobash and burbash and Extravaganza and all this stuff. Uh, could you tell us what, what's going on with that? I was not invited. Well, Harry, I will personally invite you to every single one of our events moving forward. And I sense a little hostility. I just want to be clear that you're not planning, you and your team aren't planning any sort of legal action, right?
1: We didn't think it was necessary. We thought that it was going to cause more harm than good. Why go that far when you don't necessarily need to?
0: That, that's a relief to hear, man. And now that we've cleared the air, I want to let you in on a little behind-the-scenes dream we've been working up here. Uh, well, let me throw this at you. Ready? Crossroads, Buckingham Palace. Huh? What do you think?
1: I thought about it for about five seconds, thinking, is this a good idea? And I was like, you know what, you can you can do this. Oh,
0: yes, we're excited. But I do, I just want to be clear. I mean, I'm clearly the one slated to be the campus pastor at Buckingham Palace. I mean, right, that's me.
1: I don't want to talk about it with you. I I mean,
0: we don't got to figure all that right now. But I mean, Crossroads Buckingham Palace, I mean, connecting people with God, celebrating the change, contributing to the community, letting everyone in your country know you are loved. I mean, surely the press is going to eat this up.
1: Those were just four of the typical stereotypes that becomes a feeding frenzy for the British press.
0: Yeah, you know, you've got a point there. We'll definitely keep that in mind. Uh, man, it's been an honor, the honor of my life, bro. I mean, I could call you bro now, right? Uh, it's been the honor of my life to interview with you. What, what would you say it's been like just to sit down here with me and have these conversations?
1: Yeah, I, I would never recommend people to do this uh, recreation. Hey, yet. hey,
0: director, director, let's cut that. Cut that last part. Come on, let's cut it.
2: I thought Dustin did a fantastic job with that interview of Prince Harry. How about that, huh? Turns out, because of that interview, I think he was late to that coronation yesterday because of that (laughs) sit down with Dustin, so I feel bad about that. Uh, Crossroads, good morning and and welcome. I'm really, really glad that you are all here with us today. Uh, It's a great day. Uh, We're wrapping up this series called Royals, but we're also baptizing 26 more people today across all of our campuses. It's crazy what's happening right now, the lives that are being changed, I just have to say, before we get too much farther down the road, that no matter where we are, whether you're here in Goshen, joining us from Mishawaka, St. Pete, Nashville, let's welcome everybody who's joining us today, everybody who's watching online. No matter where you are, I want you to know today that you are loved. Man, God loves you so much, and there's nothing that you can do about that, And, and we are here. The reason we exist is to connect people with God, to connect people with that hope. That is the why behind everything that we do. And before we dive into the sermon today, which is going to take approximately 40 to 55 minutes, I'm just kidding. It's not, some of you are like, yeah, preach. and I appreciate that, but we won't. We'll keep it short today. Uh, Before we dive in, I want to share a couple things that are happening that kind of pertain to to all of our campuses in some ways. Uh, The first thing is this. I I don't know, listen, if you're a baseball fan, this is going to be great. If you're not, you're like, what are we talking about here? But I just need to backtrack. Let's go seven years ago to to the year 2016. Just go back in time with me. Uh, There was a a World Series between the Chicago Cubs and a team formerly known as the Cleveland Indians, all right? It was an epic World Series. It went together game seven. And in that game seven, all kinds of weird stuff happened. There's a, a rain delay in the middle of it. It goes to extra innings. It's, it's the 10th inning of game seven of the World Series. And it's been 108 years since the Chicago Cubs won. Just for the record, Chicago Cubs fans, are you here? Is anybody here with me? Okay, here. You are sadly in year seven of your next 108 year drought. I apologize for that. Uh, but it was in that 10th inning that a man named Ben Zobrist hit a go ahead double that put them in the lead, and they won the game eight to seven. Let's so everybody just give a feel it's like, oh, what a great day! What a great day. Well here's the thing. Uh, It turns out that Ben Zobrist is a great baseball player. He was the World Series MVP. But Ben Zobrist, even more importantly, loves Jesus. How cool is that? And uh, he has an amazing story to share. Uh, He's going to be in town uh, the weekend of June 3rd and 4th, and he's going to be right here at Crossroads on Sunday morning, June 4th, sharing his story. So Cubs fans, get excited about that, all right? And It's an amazing opportunity to invite someone to join you. That's the why behind everything that we do. So if you're a Cubs fan and you have friends that are Cubs fans, invite them to come out. If you have no idea who we're talking about, just invite somebody because it's going to be a great day uh, that I believe is going to change some lives and we're excited to have him with us. Now here's the thing. There's a couple other things that I want to let you know about that are happening and And this one is mostly Goshen campus centric, so I apologize to everybody else, but it still applies to all of our campuses in some way because it's part of our strategy this summer. I want to talk about church at the park. Uh, Now our Mishawaka campus is going to be meeting out in the park for several weeks this summer. It's an amazing opportunity just to get outside and meet new people, invite them in. But we're being strategic with the uh, LED trucks that we have. Uh, In the past few summers, because of COVID, we've had outdoor church outside of our Goshen campus. This summer, we decided we're going to be a little bit more strategic about that. We're going to take it around to three different parks uh, for three-week periods throughout the summer and do church at the park in different neighborhoods this summer. And Goshen campus specifically, I want to invite you. If you'd like to make the commitment, hey, my church experience this summer is going to be Church at the Park. I wanna be part of that team. I wanna help bring that to life. Would you fill out the connect cards that are on your chairs today? Just fill out your name, just write Church at the Park, something along those lines. I'd like to be part of Church at the Park. Drop that in the bin on the way out because our our team is forming for that right now and we're excited about the opportunity to connect people with God uh, and create entry points to connect people with the hope that we have in Him. So get excited about that. Crossroads Church at the Park is happening uh, this summer. And in addition to that, I mean, while we're talking about Church at the Park, uh, July 5th through 9th, that's when our, our teens are going on the big trip to NYC, know this, we have 3,000 high school students, I'm going to say it again, 3,000 high school students that are going to be partnering with our St. Pete campus, and they're going to be inviting all kinds of people in that community to join us at some block parties at the park, to a celebration Sunday we're having at our St. Pete campus, There, there is a lot of great things happening, and I just want you to get excited about the way that God has made moving and what's happening here at Crossroads. And and finally, the last thing that I'm really excited about, we just put the final details together. The final speaker lineup is in place. We're bringing something back that's been near and dear to my heart over the last few years, and that is Best Week Ever. It's happening July 16th through 20th, so save the date. That is the week that leads up to to Fair Week, when everything in in Elkhart County stops and everybody joins together in one big, massive crowd at the fairgrounds. July 16th, 16th or 20th, we have an incredible lineup of guest speakers coming in. It's going to be an amazing week. Just save the date. Put that on your calendar. Clear out your dates. It's going to be an incredible week that you are not going to want to miss. Crossroads, best week ever, is back, and uh, we're excited about what that means and how we're going to connect people with Jesus. Now, here's the thing. I have about an hour and a half left to share this sermon with you. Now, <laughs> that, that number just keeps getting longer and longer. I apologize. Um, we're wrapping up this series called Royals, and this has been a really important concept. Uh, this, is, this is something that's been important to me for the last couple of years. Uh, this was a, a, a realization that I had that when you put your trust in Jesus, when you decide to say, all right, I, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, I, I don't think we can underestimate how significant that is in the grand scheme of our lives because Jesus really is the answer to all of the deepest questions that, that people have. He is the answer to what you are looking for. And I just, I wanna encourage you today that if you're here and, and you're trying to figure out what life is all about, and you're not really sure about who Jesus is and what he's about, I, I wanna say this again. Man, he loves you so much and there's nothing that you can do about it. Doesn't matter what your past looks like, doesn't matter how you walk through these doors, what you feel about yourself, what you believe to be true about yourself. God loves you and there's nothing that you can do about it But I also believe that God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave us that way, right? He wants us to become more like him. And that's the journey that he calls each and every one of us to go on. And that journey, it begins and ends with Jesus. And when you say yes to Jesus, when you put your trust in him, you realize I'm not just, you know, a cosmic accident No, my life actually is significant. I I have an identity. I, I am a child of God. If you choose to believe that you were created by God, you believe that you were created in his image, that you're his prized possession, and that is who you are. You've been made in the image of God. He loves you so much. And it says in 1 John 3, what an extravagant love he has for us that we should be called his children. That is what we are. And I want you to know that if you're struggling to find your identity, to figure out what life's all about, that that question that everybody struggles with at some point, it starts with Jesus. Jesus is the answer to what you're looking for. That gives you your ultimate identity. And then beyond that, it gives your life purpose because you realize in Scripture it says we've been created by God and we've been created for God. You've you've each been given gifts and abilities to use for this moment in time, to do things that God prepared in advance for you to do. We see that in Ephesians 2, verse 10. He's created you for a specific moment in time right now to do things that he prepared for you from the beginning of time. You have purpose, and that's to live for Jesus, to keep saying yes, to keep stepping out of your comfort zone, and, and to put into work the gifts and abilities that he's given you. Your life has purpose. It has meaning. It has significance. Why? Because of Jesus and he loves you so much. He gave everything to be with you. And because of that, he calls us to, to become more like him. And that, that speaks to my morality, the choices that I make in life. What's the difference between right and wrong? Well, those are all established in our lives by, by God himself, by, by Jesus. That's how I establish the course of my life. That's how I build my character. That's how I become who God created me to be, by, by choosing to be obedient and to follow him. And so all of those things point to the fact that when I put my trust in Jesus, when I know who I am, when my life has purpose, when I'm choosing to be obedient and follow him, all of those things point to my future. If you're a cosmic accident, if you don't believe in God, I I hate to say this, it's depressing, but you really don't have a future. There's really, there's no points. Curtain closes at the end of life, you take your last breath, that was it. But if you put your trust in Jesus, man, he's the beginning and the end. You believe that he's creating a place for you right now, an eternal destination where he wants to spend eternity with you. We have hope. We have a future. And Crossroads, I want you to be excited about that today. Don't take that for granted when you've said yes to Jesus. Jesus changes everything. And at the end of this service, we're going to be celebrating baptisms, change lives, people who've said yes to Jesus, who he has changed their life. And, And I don't want you to get too far from that moment because... When we forget who we are, when we forget all that he has done for us, we begin to take for granted what he's done, and and we don't live intentionally. And that's when I just want to take a few moments today to talk about. It's it's our future, the hope that we have in Jesus that changes everything. And make no mistake, we are surrounded by people who are desperate for this hope. And I want to challenge you today that when it comes to your future, you've got to choose wisely, because at the end of the day, I know where God wants me to go. I know what he's asking me to do. He's asking me to be obedient. He's asking me to keep saying yes to him, to step out of my comfort zone, to to become more like him. But I have to live intentionally. I have to stay focused on the end and and how I'm going to get there and and why I'm going where I'm going. I've got to invest in the right future. And I want to encourage you because, man, it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to, to get caught up in things that really have no significance and to waste a lot of our time in those areas of life. It's not that these things are bad things, but we've got to make sure that we're being intentional about investing the time that we have on this planet in things that have eternal value, that we are investing in in our eternal future, that that God has prepared for each and every one of us. And, And when we talk about the Old Testament kings, Some of these guys did a great job. Saul, we realized he never lived into his purpose. He didn't fight the battles that God called him to. He never owned who he was. David, he was the man after God's own heart. He wasn't perfect. He made some major mistakes. We talked about that. But he lived into God's purpose for his life. Solomon made all kinds of mistakes. He kind of had that slow leak of character throughout his life, and yet God used him to do extraordinary things because at the end of the day, he was wise. He was obedient. He accomplished a lot of good for for the kingdom, for God. He fulfilled the purpose that God gave him. Some of the kings that we don't talk about as much are the, the kings that really chose poorly, that had everything in front of them, everything to gain, but they turned their back on God. They rejected who he was. One of those guys is a a guy named Ahab. This is about 100 years after David, seven kings later in the the line of kings that Israel had. There's a guy named Ahab, and you might say, like, I think I recognize that guy's name somewhere from the Bible. Well, he's intertwined with the prophet Elijah. Elijah is a famous prophet of the Old Testament who did extraordinary things, mostly because he had to keep calling Ahab out, all right? That's the guy. That's the guy who God was trying to get his attention, and I want you to just think about the future that you're investing in as we unpack this story of Ahab, because there's a lot we can learn from the mistakes that he made. And honestly, if if I'm being real, I'd rather learn from other people's mistakes than my mistakes. Can we just go, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, that's true. Uh, So let's lean into this, because man, Ahab made mistakes we don't have to. Let's look at the introduction to Ahab in uh, 1 Kings 16. It says, Ahab, son of Omri, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. There will be a quiz on that later. Remember that. Uh, He reigned in Samaria 22 years, but Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. All right? So that's not a great introduction, and it kind of gets worse. It gets worse. And as though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbal of the Sidonians. And he began to bow down in worship of Baal. He began serving other gods. First, Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole. He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. I mean, that's the thing you circle and go, ooh, okay, he did not choose wisely, all right? Does anybody else, is it just me? Does anybody else, when you hear the words, choose wisely, where where does your mind go? Does anybody go to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, or is that just me? Like, this is the cup of a carpenter. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't know. But if you know, you know, okay. You have to choose wisely, and... To think about that verse, I'm going to read 33 again, or verse, yeah. It says, he did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. And that is not the legacy that you want to leave behind. And make no mistake, Ahab was chosen to be the king of Israel. This is God's chosen people. Ahab unequivocally knew what was right. He knew the choices that that he should make as king. But at the end of the day, he was apathetic toward the things of God. He willingly chose to do things that, that he knew God did not approve of. And, and not only did he choose to do those things, but he actively encouraged other people to do the same thing. And that led him down a path that, that ultimately led to his complete destruction. But, but God didn't just you know, immediately reject Ahab or say, all right, I'm done with you. Like As bad as he was... God, over and over again, through Elijah, tried to get Ahab's attention, tried to get him to, to turn away from what he was doing and to do what was right. And it's important for us to recognize. I think when we think about the God of the Old Testament, it's like, man, smite, 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 like, whoa, 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 angry God. And yet, you see com- completely throughout the, the course of the Old Testament, this God who is full of love, who's full of compassion, Who does everything he can with his grace and mercy to draw people to him yeah he's a a jealous God yes he only lets you go so far before you're going to deal with the consequences and yet man God went out of his way to try to get Ahab's attention and I want to just challenge you today with that in mind be careful about the future you are investing in we got one shot at this life and it goes by so fast I think the average life expectancy now in America is right at it's hovering at 79 years, and that's really the average. Apparently, women live a couple years longer than men. I don't know why. I'm left-handed, and apparently, right-handed people live a little bit longer than left-handed people. I like—I see years falling off of my life right now, and I don't like it. Um, <laughs> but we have like this limited amount of time to invest in eternity. And if we're not intentional about the time that we have, we're gonna miss a lot of opportunities. Ahab became complacent. He knew that there was there was good that God was calling him to do. He knew as a king of Israel that he had immense influence. He had the power to, to change people's minds and lead them toward what God was calling them to be, but he just went with the flow. He didn't really care. He wasn't investing wisely in his future. And I don't want us to make the same mistake. Make sure you're not missing the opportunities that that God gives you to invest in your eternal future. It's like my grandpa used to say, our time on earth will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. We need to think about that. We need to keep those things front front of mind. We need to live with intentionality. Make sure we're investing in the right future. In 1 Kings 17, uh, Elijah enters the scene. Remember, Elijah is intertwined with Ahab. He's always the vessel that God uses to get Ahab's attention. So now Elijah, who is from Tishbe in Gilead, also gonna be on the quiz later, uh, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. So this is kind of the first time where Elijah calls out Ahab and says, hey, here's one of the consequences for the choices you've been making. God is, is going to give you a drought It's going to be pretty bad news for everybody in your kingdom, and and this is God, Ahab, trying to get your attention, all right? Make no mistake. This is God trying to get Ahab's attention, trying to get him to turn around and make different choices, and at the end of the day, um, this quote has stuck with me from my school days. I I have to admit, I I saw this quote for the first time. It was posted outside the door of the dean of students as you go to talk to him about things that maybe you shouldn't have done. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know. It's amazing to me how much trouble a young man can get with a water balloon launcher, but that's another story for another day. On the wall of, of the dean of the student's office, it said, life is choices. Choices have consequences. Make good choices. <laughs> and usually you were about to meet with him because you made a pretty bad choice. You're going, it's oh, a good word. It's good for, uh, yeah, I got my lesson. Can I just read that and go home now? Are we good? That kind of thing. But man it's really true very simple but very profound life is choices the, the sum of your life is the sum of the choices that you make and your choices good or bad have consequences if you if you choose to obey jesus if you say i want to become more like you those choices have consequences those those choices ripple out they impact your family they impact generations to come they impact your friends and your neighbors And just the same way, when you choose to run from Jesus to to do exactly the opposite of what he's asking you to do, those choices also ripple through eternity, ripple through your family, ripple from generation to generation. Life is choices. Choices have consequences. We have to make good choices. I I ask this question again. What kind of future are you choosing to invest in? Are the choices that you're making on a daily basis pointing to the future that God has planned for you? Don't, Don't forget Who you are. You are a child of the king. You are royalty. That's who you are. That's your identity. You are dearly and deeply loved by God. Your life has purpose. God has called you to to a life that is lived to the fullest, a life that is is living out the plan that He has for you. Be obedient. Choose to follow Him. The choices that you make are going to summarize your life, and we got to start making those choices now. Like today, now is the time. Choose wisely. Make good choices. So Elijah has called Ahab out. For three years, there's no rain. It's a terrible drought. Everything is falling apart. But Ahab continues to ignore the word of God. He's making bad choices. So it says in 1 Kings 18, it says, Later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. So Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Get this, Obadiah was a devoted follower of the Lord. Once, when Jezebel had tried to kill the Lord's prophets, uh, let's not miss that, Jezebel, the wife of Ahab, had tried to kill all of the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had hidden 100 of them in two caves. He put 50 prophets in each cave and supplied them with food and water. Ahab said to Obadiah, we must check every spring and valley in the land to see if we can find enough grass to save at least some of my horses and mules. So they divided the land between them. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. And this journey begins. And, and I want to I challenge you here because there's something very important to remember from this, this obscure passage of scripture. It doesn't seem like anything very entertaining or informational happened there. But notice this. Ahab actually had good people around him. Obadiah is one of his main leaders that he has surrounded himself with. Obadiah is a follower of God. He's chosen to do what was right. But Ahab did not listen to his advice. He chose to listen to Jezebel. Jezebel, listen, Jezebel is the worst, okay? She's the worst. There is a reason. No one names their daughter Jezebel. They're just like... I, Mother's Day is next. We're going to be dedicating babies. I guarantee you. Like, look at our new baby daughter, Jezebel. It's not going to happen. I, if it does, I will be shocked. I'm just, $20 to the family who has a kid named Jezebel. So, <laughs> that could backfire on me if there's a lot of those. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying, nobody wants to associate with the name Jezebel because she was the worst. She had tried to kill all the prophets of God. She was the one who was just violent and angry and would do whatever it takes to hold her position and and to keep running from God. And Ahab, while he was kind of apathetic, when you coupled him with Jezebel and she's the one who's influencing him, it brings out the worst in him too. Like picture in modern day, like I try to bring these moments to modern day. Picture Ahab and Jezebel today, all right? This is modern day Ahab and Jezebel. You're like, well, what does this relationship look like in real time? Well, Just imagine they're at like this fancy banquet, all right? Ahab and Jezebel, the fancy banquet. All of the who's who's are there. And they're kind of at a front table. They're like a prominent position because they're the leaders. Everybody likes and they're popular. And then somebody goes on the stage and like starts mocking Jezebel. Like, hey, Jezebel, ah, your hair looks funny. And she's like, not cool. And she looks at Ahab and goes, and Ahab would just like walk up on the stage and slap the guy. Ahab would walk back down, go to Jezebel, and like, keep her name out of your mouth. It's kind of like that. I don't know. That's just an example. I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. So that would be Ahab and Jezebel. She brought out the worst in him, okay? And I wanna I wanna challenge you with this. Just get all that out of your mind. I was just having fun with you. Okay, so (laughs) you have to be careful who you are surrounding yourself with. Okay? If you're gonna invest in the right future, you gotta be careful who you are surrounding yourself with because your friends matter. And I would I would take that one step farther. Like, listen. We're going to have a vast array and a vast assortment of different types of friends, neighbors, workplace people. There's going to be all kinds of people that you call friend, and that's fine. Absolutely great. But I want to challenge you today that your inner circle, like your closest friends, the ones that you really listen to that have influence over you, you got to make sure that that they're on the same path, they're on the same journey that you are. And there is nothing better than having people in your life who are holding you accountable, who are encouraging you to keep stepping out of your comfort zone and and who are helping you go in the right direction. That's the beautiful thing about a church family, you guys. That's the beautiful thing about ministries, getting involved in ministries. When you serve together, you make friends who are on the same mission. When you come out to Crossroads Recovery, you're in groups of people who are intently holding people accountable and encouraging people to do what's right and follow the path that God has called them to. There's nothing better than doing life together in that sense, and I wanna encourage you today Be careful about who you are surrounding yourself. I think there's a wise wise quote that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You can tell a lot about what your future looks like by looking at the friends who have influence in your life. Make sure you're surrounding yourself with good people. Ahab's biggest mistake was he married Jezebel and she was the worst, all right? She was the one who spoke into his life. She was the one who had influence. So here's the thing. Elijah presents himself to Ahab, and it says in verse 17, when Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, so is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? And, and Elijah responds. He says, I have made no trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the Lord's commands and have worshiped the images of Baal instead. I mean, again, this is just kind of a, a random couple of verses that you wouldn't really normally focus in on, but it shows the heart of Ahab. Ahab takes zero ownership, zero responsibility for anything bad that's happening. He's blaming Elijah. Oh, Elijah, you're always the one that gives me bad news. You're the one that's coming after me. And Elijah's going, no, 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 no. Ahab, God's trying to get your attention here, bud. I'm not the troublemaker. You're the one that's caused. Co- These consequences are the results of your choices. And I got to challenge you today. You got to be careful about blaming others when things go wrong, right? When when you mess up, I mean, the, the random way that we as humans cope with that, it's first it's deny, deny, deny. Oh, it wasn't me. I didn't do No, 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 no. But then when everybody goes, no, it was absolutely you. We have you on camera. You know, we caught you on the ring doorbell. Okay, oh, okay. Well, then it's blame, blame, blame. Ah, I didn't know what was going on. I had a bad day. Nobody takes responsibility anymore, right? Like, nobody. And I think you have to be careful about that when it comes to your spiritual life, about blaming others when things go wrong. That's what Ahab's doing, right? He knows what he's supposed to be doing. Absolutely. But he refuses to take ownership. And here's the thing, when it comes to you and your relationship with God, nobody else can establish or grow that relationship for you. Honestly, I wish we could. But you've got to make that choice. What you do with Jesus... It determines the course of your future, your eternal destiny. And I would just encourage you today to own it, lean into it, because, man, he loves you so much, and he's doing everything he can to draw you close to him. Elijah, uh, he has this crazy showdown with Ahab, and this is a story that everybody's familiar with, I think at some level. They all meet at the top of the mountain, Mount Carmel, and Elijah calls out the prophets of, of Baal and and challenges them to kind of this fire duel like the the prophets that can call fire from heaven that's that's the one true god right and so the prophets of Baal they have all day. They're trying to get Baal's attention, and they're going crazy. And it's taken all day. And Elijah, one of the reasons I love him is you see this in First in Kings. He's openly mocking them, which I know sarcasm is one of my love languages, so I love that. He's like, "Where's your God?" Like, it's kind of a hostile situation. And Elijah's poking the bear. He's like, "Where's your God? Is he sleeping? Is he taking it? Al- he must be going to the bathroom." Like that's real life. He's he's throwing some some great one-liners. And finally, after the day is almost over, they, they finally give up. And that's when Elijah has this, you know, epic, legendary, iconic moment where he covers the, the, the altar with water. It's like soaking wet. There's water everywhere. There's no way this light's on fire. And in just one simple prayer in front of everyone who's gathered, he just says, God, may you receive the glory here today. May, may everyone here see who the one true God is. And in that single moment, boom fire from heaven falls. It's just explosive. God shows up on the scene. Everything is just destroyed. And in that moment, everything is turned upside down. Everybody realizes, oh man, Elijah represents the one true God. He's the one who we need to be serving. And in the middle of all of this, All the rain starts to come. The cloud starts to come. It's going to rain. Ahab goes down the hill. And if if it wasn't enough that that Elijah calls fire down from heaven, it actually says as they're leaving the mountain that Ahab's going in his horse and chariot down the mountain as fast as he can to get get away from all the impending rain and the the water. And Elijah is actually running faster than the horse and chariot in front of him, setting pace. It's like the fastest man. He was the original flash. Elijah takes off. It's like all this crazy stuff's happening, and it's all happening right in front of Ahab. He is witness firsthand to the power of God, seeing Elijah do this supernatural strength running thing. And it says he gets home, and it says when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. And you have to think, can we just go there for just a second, that God for just a moment had Ahab's attention, right? How can you not... Be focused on who God is and what he can do when you experience something like that. And you have to think for a moment, Ahab's going, Jezebel, I, you gotta hear what happened today. Like, this is crazy. She, he shared everything with her that Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal, because that's another thing Elijah did. He said, these are false prophets. They're taking our country away from God. They all need to die. And it happened. Like, whoa, this is crazy. And when Jezebel hears this, Her response is she sends a message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. I mean, everything that happened that God did to reveal himself and to show his power and say, hey, I've got the best plan for you. Please put your trust in me. You can follow me. I am the one true God. Ahab and Jezebel chose to ignore that voice. And I think that's the biggest mistake. You have to be careful about ignoring God's voice. When he speaks to you, make sure that you're listening. Make sure that you're saying yes. Because I contend with you today that the Christian life is about just a series of yeses. When God speaks, it's here I am. God, the answer is yes. It's out of my comfort zone. Okay. I need to lay this down because it's a barrier between me and my relationship with you. Okay. It's, it's a series of yeses. And that's why we can't ignore his voice when he speaks. We've got to lean into that. And so I want to challenge you, today, when it comes to investing in the right future to choose wisely, let me just read through these verses in Hebrews three together as we close. The writer just says this, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that you, your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Don't make the same mistake that Ahab made. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. You have to stay tender to the things of God. And so I just want to challenge you today, make sure that you're listening when God speaks. Make sure that you're focusing on God's voice and that you're investing in the right future. I, I close by asking you this question, what kind of future are you choosing to invest in? I challenge you today, make sure you're living intentionally. They're saying yes to Jesus and that you're becoming more like him. Listen, if you're here today and your heart's been racing and you feel like God's asking you to to say yes to him. You've been trying to figure out what to do with Jesus and you've not been sure what that's all about. I want you to know today that, man, God loves you with an extravagant love. John 3, 16 says, God loved the world so much that he sent his son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him doesn't perish but has everlasting life. That's the gift that he offers every one of us. And all we have to do to receive that gift is to say yes to Jesus. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, that he died on the cross and rose again to pay the price for your sin, you will be saved. And so I want to close today by inviting you to say that prayer together with us. Would everyone be willing to stand in this moment? And you might have already prayed this prayer. I want you to just say this prayer today as as an encouragement to the person who needs to pray it for the first time. As we say yes to Jesus today, I would encourage you that if you've already said this prayer, Make sure that you're continuing to say yes. If God's asking you to take a step out of your comfort zone, if you've been ignoring his voice, make this the moment where you say, God, I'm listening, and I'm saying yes to you today. Let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins, and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen.